Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. We don't know where democracy is alive or not in this world, but we know that Democracy Fund is alive and kicking New Haven. That's our public financing program, the only municipal one in the state where you run for mayor, you can get matching public money. If you agree to run clean and not take special interest money and limit your donations, we've had it since 2007 and we're about to enter a new era. Our guests today are going to tell about, us about that new era in democracy in New Haven. Allison Heimer, the administrator of the Democracy Fund, welcome back. Thank Always you. a pleasure having you on. And James Bandari Alexander, who's here for different reasons over the years, a labor attorney, legal aid attorney, and now a board member of the Democracy Fund. Welcome. Thanks for coming in, folks. Thanks for having us, Paul. Thank you. So, Allie, um, there. You, got a, you both put together a proposed ordinance the older that we started this in 2007. We were the first city and still the only city in the state to have a public financing system for our local elections. And now, after I'm doing some math, that's dangerous, 15 and change years, mm-hmm. we're in our 16th year, we're saying, hey, we looked at how it went, and we know some ways to make it better. So you have some proposals to the Board of Alders, hoping that they're going to change some of the rules of democracy fund. Does either of you want to go and tell me what those changes are? Well, let me let me first start by saying that the Democracy Fund um, was designed and developed so that we could, as a city, counter the perception that our mayoral elections were bought and paid for and somehow mm. severely influenced by campaign contributions. The, the purpose was to try and limit the ongoing need for fundraising, to try and encourage candidates to have more conversations about subjects relating to citizens and to the neighborhoods and fewer conversations about money while they were running for and was office. it also about enabling more people to run like if you show you have a certain base of support a bunch of people give you five bucks then you should get enough money to run it it does uh have the benefit of improving a grassroots candidate's chances by amplifying small dollar contributions um that wasn't you know the sole purpose um it was really to make sure that there was clarity in who was giving money um and how that money was being spent you know it's funny you always emphasize that but when i look at democracy funds and this grew out of stories about corruption and how money was spent and i look at the rules you're specifically saying we don't want you to take certain money we don't want people doing business with the city giving you money we don't want political committees giving you money we don't want you raising dollars above a certain amount we'll give you the public dollars so you're beholding to fewer people and we want people who might not be able to raise a lot of money to get some money so they can run too. Am I wrong about that? I mean, arguably, they're beholden to more people because they have to go to more people to collect the same amount of money as they did Which is the ideal because they don't, yeah. Right, so, so, you know, But they're getting public money too because they're limited from who they can raise from, but then you're giving them public dollars instead. Yeah, so, so traditionally in New Haven, people would collect money from businesses, law firms, contractors, companies, you know, special interest groups, PACs, political action groups. Um, and by limiting that and saying that we only really want you to collect contributions from individual people, um, and specifically we are going to reward you by for collecting money from registered New Haven voters, um, you know, it does change who candidates talk to the most. All right. So oh, tell me about some of the rules. Uh, James, you want to tell us about some of the rules you're proposing to um, make it run differently? Right now... Um, you know, by law, you can get $1,000 from someone. 
and you can take political committees, uh, committee money if you're in the democracy fund and you're going to get public grants, you can only get um, uh, $400 from somebody correct and you can't get it from any of those political committees and then you get matching grants to give you enough money. Is that correct? And you have to be in a debate. You have to be in a debate, yes. You have to participate in a debate. And Victor Smith says, our present mayor is doing a great job. One good term deserves another. Thank you, Victor, <laughs> for listening. I mean, Paul, first let me say thank you for having us on, and it's really great to talk about this. I joined the Democracy Fund board um, not because anybody asked me to, but because of like I saw on the website that they needed people. Um, and it's not my area of law. I'm not an expert in this I'm area. I'm going to ask you to come close to the yeah, mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not an expert in this area, but... Um, it is exciting to be part of something that the city is doing um, in an affirmative way to make our democracy better. And it really is um, running counter to the national trend. A lot of what is in the Democracy Fund Ordinance, which is a voluntary program candidates don't have to participate, is really designed to put forth a system along the lines of what um, pro-democracy Congress people and advocates at the federal level had been pushing for many, many years. So, um, for example, the idea that corporations shouldn't be giving candidates money goes back to Teddy Roosevelt. You know, um, the McCain-Feingold Act was a bipartisan act of Congress. Um, and all of that was rolled back um, by um, consistent Supreme Court advocacy that was itself ironically funded by dark money. Right, corporations uh, are people. Right, right. Money is free speech. Right. So I feel like as a as someone who's sort of aware of that trend at the national level and and locally here, it it's great to be part of a program that is trying to like keep in place a lot of those protections for voters, which is really what I I consider this a protection for voters um, to know that they have a, a system where there are standards, where there's transparency, and so forth. Um, the, the one change to answer your question that I, I was pretty excited about or most excited about all, all of the changes reflect what we've heard as board members and what Allie has told us based on her experience are, um, consistent problems. The one change I really like is the, um, self-financing, uh, limitation. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. It's going from, I believe 15,000 to 1500 mm -hmm. is what we decided on. Um, self-financing is, um, a major a major issue in the state and in the country um, that you know there was just a Supreme Court case about the extent to which um, Ted Cruz's self-financing could be paid back by campaign contributions a case that Ted Cruz won six to three um, with a, a vicious dissent uh, <laughs> viciously good dissent from Justice Kagan saying this is a sign of the times um, that we can we can have so right now if you're running for mayor of New Haven you can give yourself twenty three thousand yeah. dollars which isn't huge what do campaigns usually spend like seventy thousand hundred thousand it it depends uh, it really does range successful campaigns traditionally spend between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars whoa that many you need you can't run for mayor unless no you can run for mayor um, but if you would like to win um, unfortunately it, it costs a lot of money so how much can you get from the democracy fund? You can get up to $125,000 in matching funds plus the grant, um, and that resets each cycle. So uh, you can get uh, two grants right now of $23,000. So that's forty-six plus two rounds if you were to match out max out your matching funds, it would be $250,000. So, so almost three hundred dollars From the government? From the government. And that, that'd be on Nobody top ever of it, has. But what I mean is... Um, that would then be on top of you are allowed to raise a certain amount. You are allowed to so raise. So if you got that 300, how much would you have raised? You would have to raise at least 
$70,000 or so in order to qualify for that money. Mm-hmm. And is there diminishing returns? I mean, Linda McMahon ran for Senate with $50 million twice, did not win. Um, these Republican candidates for governor have four straight cycles have put millions of their own dollars in, have not won. At a certain point, is it more money than you need? I mean, you got your message. How much do you need to get your message out so everyone knows you're running and well, there are, I mean, if you look at the number of voters, right, and how much it costs to send a piece of mail, which is usually a dollar per person, you know, if you're targeting your voters quite well, you can win a mayoral race in New Haven with, you know, 12,000 to 20,000 votes, which, you know, is not an insignificant cost. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, like it doesn't just take one mailer. You need people and by mailer, to, do you mean through the mail? Through the mail, Because yeah. a lot of people drop at the door. A lot of people use the web. They have flyers. People use door knockers. They use social media. They use all different kinds of methods to get in touch with voters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we call each of those things touches, right? Mm-hmm. How many touches does it take to convince a voter one way or the other to change their mind or to, to believe what you're saying or to even hear what you're saying? Sometimes they'll, they'll get a mailer or they'll see a social media post and they will just scroll right past it. So we're talking to Democracy Fund's administrator and board member, Ali Heimer, James Bondari-Alexander, about changes they proposed to make the state's only municipal uh, financing system even better. And so, James, you're excited that a change that, if approved by the Board of Alders, would say right now you can give $23,000 to your own campaign, which isn't enough to buy an election, it sounds like. It'd be like one mailer to everybody. Or um, that who's going to vote for you. Or you're going to cut it. You can only spend 1500 on your own campaign. Right. And why did you make that change? Well, I think we made that change because uh, I, well, I can speak for myself as a board member when I voted on it. Um, uh, it to me, it, it just uh, I want uh, more working class people running able to run for office. Um, I don't like the idea of wealthy people being able to um, buy an election with their own money much more than I like the idea of corp- campaign contributions from PACs and corporations determining mm-hmm. the outcome. So. For me, that was that was the motivation. If you look at national programs like Emily's List, you know, their slogan is early money is like yeast. It helps raise the dough. So when you have somebody coming into an election who already has twenty thousand dollars or more in the books, you know, they can use that money not for direct mail or for social media, but to hire people to help them raise more money to help have a poll in the field to tell them exactly what their messaging should be to the people of New Haven. Um, you know, they can, however they spend that money is, is up to them, but that early money does make an impact and does change um, people's ability to be competitive. And do you have other changes suggested? Maximum individual donation. You want to let people get 450 rather than 400 and let that count toward your match. What is What was the thinking on that? Other, other way around, actually. So right oh. now, with the CPI increase um, in 2022, we um, increased the maximum allowable contribution oh, okay. to $445. What this would do is actually limit that down and bring it back to a new baseline. The baseline used to be 300 It's been adjusted for inflation for the past 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the... It, as it edges closer and closer to $1,000, which is actually the state limit, um, you know, it sort of decreases the, uh, the, the intent, um, which is to really prioritize those small dollar contributions. You know, in, in addition, we also decreased the minimum contribution from $10 to $5, both to be in more you know, in line with the state. And that we've already done, or is that, is that going to be? We did process? that this year, but we're going to codify it by the you know, adding these ordinance changes. And so I added backwards. You want to go from 445 yes. to 400. Correct. 
And then you're also changing how much people get, right? The, the matchable contribution is limited. So right now, um, twenty-five. if you give up the twenty, the $25 of any donation you give can be matched by this fund if you qualify. You have to get a certain number of um, contributions to qualify from New Haven voters, right? Yes. And then once you got those, the first $25, if I have it right, gets matched of every contribution from a New Havener. That was the baseline in 2007. That has also been adjusted for CPI. It's at 35 now. It would create a new baseline at the 35. Okay, so you put that in the ordinance. Yep. Why do you need to do that if you're able to have it with the baseline? Well, because you read the ordinance and you know you thought you were only going to get the first $25 match. So it's important to make sure that so we're just keeping this up to date. Yeah. Yeah. And they also want to make explicit. I keep getting confused by this. And Allie will know every time I read any story about the democracy fund, <laughs> I call her to walk me through every rule again, even though I covered it from the it was a twinkle in the eye. I had breakfast with John DeStefan, but he said, we're going to do this. Like, <laughs> and I still get so confused 16 years later on what the rules are. This is darn confusing. So the explicit, the exploratory committee, someone's running for mayor and some people do these fake exploratory committees first, right? And I, I know that's cynical, <laughs> but I think, I mean, I guess sometimes they say, okay, I'm not going to run. The people didn't love me and want me. But why do they do a separate exploratory committee and how does that work with the money they raise and what limits they abide by when they then decide to make a formal run for mayor? Let me start by saying that an exploratory committee is a legally allowable oh, way to raise money. And it's and it's in state law um, mm. and that there's not much that we, the fund, can do for folks that are in an exploratory phase because they are expressly not candidates yet. Um, and the fund can really only tell you, you know, what what the expectations are for your candidacy once you become a candidate, you know. People do choose for a lot of different reasons to have exploratory committees. Um, sometimes it is to test the waters. Sometimes it's for other reasons. What is the benefit? Like, what don't you have to do when you're an exploratory that you would do if you're an well, official you, candidate? Well, you can't declare. Um, you can expend money for doing things like opposition research. Um, you can try and create a fundraising ground game. You can try can and... Can you do that when you're a candidate, too? You can, but, you know, if you are trying to do something very, very seriously, sometimes it helps to have a little bit of a springboard timeline before you actually decide that you're all in. Okay. But what, what's, the, what's the consequences of saying you're all in? What changes that next day? So there's, there's a, a lower uh, limit on um, what you can collect from donors during an exploratory phase. That resets after you declare. So there's a state lower limit. That's a, yes. Yeah. So how it's much can you 375. Get? Oh, and then you get a thousand. And then you can get a thousand. Gotcha. Now, how does that affect? So if I raise all this money beforehand, does that count toward the democracy fund? Can I go back and raise more from the same people and have spent that other money? Can I transfer the money? You're allowed to spend the money. Um, you're not allowed to roll over the money. When you start with the democracy fund, your accounts start as zero. So you should have either spent all of, all of that money or returned all of that money. Um, you know, and that's that's why we try to make it a little bit more explicit that, you know, when you have an exploratory committee first, you have to zero out your accounts before you accept any public dollars. And none of those contributions count towards your 200. Now, you can return all of those funds. You can prorate those funds um, back to donors, you know, based on what you've spent. Um, but you you really do need to start from the beginning now that you are declared. So if candidate. I were that candidate, I'd want to quickly pay all my rent up front for the whole campaign. I'd want to quickly buy all my lawn signs, that kind of stuff. You're legally not allowed to do that. Uh, once, once you, I mean, you're not allowed to spend money on uh, things like rent outside of the period for which you are what exploring. About lawns, what about signs? 
I mean, what would the sign say? Hi, I'm thinking about running. <laughs> oh, you can't. Okay. <laughs> like, gotcha. Um, you and know, now you so also want to let the city different. clerk. Now, you, city clerk is the other citywide position, not mm -hmm. counting a red star voters, which is a state office. Right? Yes. So why do we want to have a city clerk? Do people generally spend money on city clerk campaigns? They do, but they find it extremely difficult. Um, it's hard to raise money for a city clerk race. Usually people raise between twenty dollars and $80,000 for a citywide race where you'd have to talk to just as many voters as you would if you were running for mayor. But does anyone even care or you just get, get voted along with the line, right? I mean, it really depends. There are certainly independent people who have run for city right. clerk before. That's true. I'm on your board. So what, uh, why do you want to have the city clerk included in this? Because if we believe as a city, you know, that this is the, the right thing to do and this is how we stop, um, you know, the influence of money in politics, then it should be accessible so the to same other offices. So the same issues apply for that. I guess the one thing I've never figured out is why we haven't elected city clerk. Because <laughs> democracy, we elect everything that we elect. Do we put up to a vote what creamer you buy for the coffee at City Hall? I mean, I mean, some towns have an elected dog catcher and we don't have one of those. And others have city managers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. why, I mean, it's archaic, isn't it, or no? City I, mean, I mean, why, 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 in particular, is that position is it archaic? Because you're not usually doing policy. Mm -hmm. Like, if I were to advise city clerk candidates, say, make it a real political case. Say you're going to make this as a way to like expose the slum lords, empower people with information about who really owns property through LLCs on your block. You know, but it's really focused on like dog licenses and paper filing. Sounds like you it? might want to run for city. No, clerk. I don't want to run for anything <laughs> ever. But I'm just saying, if you want to be Ralph Nader, I could see why yeah. city. You'd be a Nader. I'd be a great job. But well, right now, it's a part-time job where you really just show up and make sure they're filing all the campaign stuff. Well, you're. I mean, you're kind of making the case for including it because this could open the door to more people who want to take some kind of aggressive approach to the office. I mean, the yeah. same question. Will but you, you also want them to be politically neutral because they're dealing with absentee ballots and certifying elections well i don't think you, you can be partisan you can be right neutral like in the particle, partisan yeah. sense without being neutral vis-a-vis -vis problems right. in the community that's a good point yeah i mean a, a lot of uh a lot of what they do really doesn't come down to party um and when you're talking about absentee ballots i mean we have two registrars of voters who are just serving their parties at least two right <laughs> we could depends have... on the town yeah so yeah, well, that's another discussion about the oligopolic uh olig olig oligopical olig <laughs> law that says even if a republican gets no votes there is a republican registrar. Right. right but i think there's a there's a question here you know a future question possibly about you know the school board and something we've discussed as yeah. board as a democracy fund board um and um, I, I can see myself definitely moving in that direction of, you know, if there's more voting for school board, if there are more school board members who are elected, or um, even if it's just remains two, that could be another future direction, even though it's not a citywide office. It's, it, currently, it's half a city. Um, yeah. Now, so would you like, would you two like to see, what it was the decision not to put Board of Alders and City and uh, Board of Ed as seeking to have that under the Democracy Fund? Well, I think for the board of for the board of alders, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Allie, but I think this falls under our idea for a kind of pilot program with called the Democracy Fund Pledge, which would not be financing board of alder races, but would allow board of alder candidates to take a pledge to follow all the essential elements of the democracy fund. without any benefit without without any benefit except for just like the seal of um, you know of the democracy fund saying this is, the, how, much the, how much do people spend for alder 
That also depends. I think some of the most expensive races that are very competitive have been around ten to fifteen thousand dollars. But on the whole, people spend between eight and three, eight hundred to three thousand. And a lot don't even file paper, don't file reports, right? If you spend under a thousand dollars, you you legally yeah. do not have to. All right. So one question I have for you guys is: How do we judge whether this is promoted democracy? Has the democracy fund made? New Haven more democratic over the 16 years? And how do you judge that? So we, uh, we actually went to a conference in Albuquerque this past summer where they, you know, we met with administrators from public financing programs from across the country, and everybody seemed to be sort of struggling with that question. You know, how do you judge efficacy? How do you judge success? What measures should you be looking at to, to show that the program is working um, and different cities and different you know levels of government had different answers for that um, you know one of the things that we're looking to do this summer is get an intern to help with some research projects that would sort of look at the historical changes to the number of New Haven voters who have decided to participate who have decided right, to so contribute um, yeah. over the years and see what impact it's actually had and then also to take a look at other cities and compare New Haven to those cities mm. to see, you know, if if it was our program or if this is just a statewide trend um, or, you know, anything like that. Uh, the number of candidates is certainly something that's interesting, you know, whether or not more people have decided that they could run or should run because they can have access to a program like this is definitely interesting. Based, you know, I mean, I would say New Haven is a cleaner city ethically than it was. I don't know if it's because democracy fund or not, if that was part of a different demand. I'm not saying everything is a clean decision, but I think it's dramatically more ethical than it was. What was allowed, it's not even, I'm not even talking about the individuals, the same individuals who are office before and now what they feel is okay to do and what not to do. I don't know if democracy funds the reason or not, but definitely. And we get debates we might not have other had because you have to debate if you're in, right? I, mean, I think there are a lot of things that, that play a role. I mean, when we had... You know, uh, when we first started the Democracy Fund 15 years ago, um, you know, we were in a different age of social media. Now things are much more scrutinized um, and it's, you know, everything is videotaped. So, yeah. you know, I think that definitely plays a role in how people govern, how people are seen doing their job. You know, we put cameras on our police officers, right? Like, there's And now you have three out of four candidates declared for the Democratic nomination have decided to participate this year. We have... <laughs> how we, many, uh, uh, how many people have, have declared? There are oh, including four the exploratory. Yeah, including oh, exploratory. including exploratory. So for the for the primary. Yeah. So we yeah. can't include exploratory for a, a couple of reasons. He has said he would, though. He said if he if, runs. If he, he runs, and that would be great when you know, and if he decides. And speak up, do support. Submitted paperwork. Justin Ellicker submitted paperwork. Yes. And Tom Goldenberg said he's not gonna. Correct. If John Carlson, the Republican, has embraced it, he used it last time, and if he Correct. runs again, he's gonna run it again. So uh, is that is that success? That, I mean, it, that would be one way to measure success, yes. And then, but the other question it is, is... It is. It is. I absolutely <laughs> think so. I mean, part of, the, part, of, part of the reason this is a really important question um, is because of uh, the Democracy Fund, like, like I said, in my opinion, is carrying the uh, values and principles of clean elections and um, being a, in a larger environment that is going in the exact opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So show, being able to show and answer this question of like, has it been effective or not, um, is part of how we carry that message into the future and like remind the larger system that there's an opportunity yeah. to do this. I guess I, I would argue that elections are cleaner too. I mean, New Haven used to be someone who went around to 
fix certain machines at a certain time of day based on what they thought the voter turnout was. Yeah. In key places. I had one guy told me he used to go driven in a van and given the name of dead voters at each place to go in. I mean, yeah, but those are extreme that. examples. The overall system, like, functions oh, on a huge amount of money. I mean, right. and you just look at um, the recent news that, um, uh, what's his name, Leonard Leo, who um, is a uh, like, national operative, a uh, political operative, has been given $1.5 billion of money oh, yeah. to use for dark money yeah. um, to influence politics in the United States. Um, that's not corruption operating in a sort of old big city machine type of way. That's the fundamental corruption happening in our politics right. all over the country. And, you know, my wife and I were talking about this because, you know, sometimes incumbents who supported public financing choose not to use it when their job is threatened by a challenge because it's easy for them to still collect those $1,000 contributions from people who do business with the city. Right. You know, John DiStefano, after creating the fund, decided that in 2011 not to participate. Tony Harp last time. Tony Harp never used the yeah, democracy right. fund. She did use CEP at the state level when right. she ran for state. But here, level. when she fell... So well, question, which I think, you know, those are politicians making political decisions. I, I don't think... I mean, or at least my personal view, again, getting back to your awesome question, like, how has it functioned overall? That's the question because... Any individual politician is expected to do what's in their self-interest. Right. That's what we got down to. So how do we yeah. change that? So one thing I said to my wife was, well, shouldn't we just make it a culture where you are rewarded by voters for showing that you're abiding by cleaner money principles? So you go in it because you will you get enough of an advantage from voters. Because I've heard politicians have said this to me. Do I get enough advantage? Because when people think, well, I get enough more votes because people think, I've done the right thing with this. Most people don't even care about it right in certain communities. Or will I get more of an advantage from taking more of that money and being able to spend it? So you're right. How they make that decision about what's in their interest tells you. And you're limited by the Supreme Court rulings that say you can't require people to be in. 100%. So how do we promote this as a public? Do we put pressure on people? We want you to participate. Or do we just make the democracy fund work well enough that they'll see that it's in their interest? Well, part of the changes that we made were to make it a little bit clearer, to make it, you know, more streamlined, to make it so that there weren't as high hurdles to have to jump over in order to access the funding, in order to, you know, make requests for um, matching funds, um, you know, and, and make sure that, you know, we could have liquidity in the fund at any given time to make sure that we could pay out to candidates what they had earned by following the rules. Um you know, it, it's really an individual decision. Why people choose to run for office is their own personal choice. And uh, they're going to have to figure out how they want to do that and how they want to raise the money to do that on their own. Ali Harmer, James Bandari, Alexander, thank you for being on Democracy Fund. Thanks for coming in the first segment today about democracy in New Haven. Last words about why we should care about democracy and the democracy fund in our city level. Uh, we want to have a democracy in the future, so I invite um, all people interested in democracy, please reach out to us. We will come and speak wherever you are about democracy. Allie, why do we care about democracy in New Haven? Because it's a program that works, uh, and because democracy gives everybody a voice, and everyone who's here deserves a voice. All right, so we've got democracy in New Haven. We're going to take a break now. That's the Afro-Semitic experience performing a wish I knew how to be able to be free. And then we're going to talk about democracy in Israel and whether that is with, with our resident expert who's a correspondent for Israel's largest circulation newspaper who actually lives in New Haven. She's going to tell us about their marching in the streets about democracy right now. So thank you to Ali and James. And how do people find out about the democracy? Just Google it. 
they can, they can Google it and go to the city website. And thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank we're you big for believers us. in this program. Thanks, Paul. And actually, we're going to take on the break is the ballad of Ned Clampett and the impact of democracy and self-funding candidates on policy. Ballad of Ned Clampett. Come listen to my story about a man named Ned. Poor governor barely kept his coffers fed. Then one day a pandemic came to town. DC dollars came a pouring down. Filled the rainy day fund. Pay down pension debt. Yeehaw! Next thing you know, they love Ned everywhere. Lefties said Ned taxed the millionaires. Well, kinfolks said, Neddy, don't you dare. Throw the dog a bone, make the people think you care. Give them cheap gas, middle class tax breaks. No baby bonds, just income inequality. 